If you know me, you know I'm a massive sports fan and I'm obsessed with the winning culture that they have in sports teams. Well, today I'm really lucky because today we have an ex-pro basketball player on. His name's Freddie and he is the founder of the Embargo app. Now, what's particularly interesting about Freddie is the way that he's taken that athlete's mindset and used that to deal with adversity within his own business. This guy has come up against it all throughout Brexit and COVID. He has hit some real stumbling blocks. And now, as we're about to hit into an economic downturn, there are a few lessons here that will be incredibly valuable to you founders. I highly recommend you listen to this show. It's a really important one. Hope you enjoy. I believe the best founders fall into two categories, and that is... Athletes and salespeople, because you have to deal with um, failure constantly all the time, okay? And being a founder is basically, you're constantly hit with shit and you're failing all the time. Yeah. And so I think it's, some nothing prepares you more for failure, reinvention, and constant disappointment than being a professional sportsman or being a salesperson, because that's what's happening. Yeah. So you're particularly interesting because you've come from a sports background. So tell me a bit about that. Well, I mean, I grew up in a family where sport was a big thing. My dad was a manager of several fairly well-known athletes back in Poland. Okay. So I would say sport was just like, you know, the day-to-day. So I could not not play any game or, or, or any sport, but it wasn't anything forced. And then yet, at one point, I think I was 11, I went for my first basketball practice and I fell in love with it. I dropped everything else. I dropped tennis, a few other things. And yeah, it became my life, my passion. I mean, I would literally commit all my teenage years to that, to become a professional basketball player, which I did in the end, despite a few challenges and, and a few uh, unfortunate health issues when I was much younger than I am now. Well, one of them being uh, that you were only like, what, six foot? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good with with, with feet, but I'm one seventy eight and well, so it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So because normally yeah. when someone says basketball player, they're thinking this guy's yeah. six foot seven. Anyone who's listening, just a regular size guy, yeah. and yet so yeah. like, and you became a a professional. So you yeah. must have been like, you must have had a lot of people being like, bro, and yeah. no, no, unbelieved. And I remember when yeah. I was finishing um, sort of my middle school, and I was about to go to high school, and. I had an offer from an amazing high school with, with the IB sort of international baccalaureate yeah, program. Yeah. And, but I had to decide what I want to do because I knew that if I had become professional during my high school years, it, I, I, there was no way I could have sort of, you know, fit that in with an IB program. So I had to decide and I decided to go and try pursue my basketball career. I still went to a good high school, but no one, not a single teacher, my parents, well, had a few questions about that. And I said, sorry, like, no. And, and they were like, well, you're like not even 180. Like, you're not going to make it. It's so hard. Like, and you're only 16. Like, it's just such a gamble. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, you know what? Well, that's what I'm passionate about. And I don't need anyone to understand this. And if I ever want to go and study abroad and, and do something else after that, then, then I decide to do that later on. Like, I just believe you have to follow that sort of gut feeling, especially when you're young, because later you might think about, you know, all the responsibilities and all the commitments you have. But at that point, I mean, it, it was my life. I was passionate about this. And well, I don't know. I just thought it's worth giving it a go. But yeah, yeah. I love that. Man. I mean, I, I absolutely fucking love that because ultimately the real currency of success is hard work. It's not like, it's not just yeah, because you don't have the height. It doesn't mean you can't make it. There are, there are, not hundreds, but there are lots of stories of NBA athletes that are under six foot. 
And there's lots of those that are way over two meters in a sack. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely that is absolutely true. And so and then that progressed, and then you were pro for like how long? Well, I mean, uh, I played at lower divisions when I was like 16, 17 already with my sort of like um, uh, junior club. We were already playing like pro, but then I got to the top division when I was 18. So I played my entire full season there, which was completely eye-opening, you know, jumping to the level where suddenly your idols become your rivals. Like it was just a mind-blowing experience of people you had watched on TV follow their stats every day suddenly you're literally in front of them or they're your teammates so that was really eye-opening but also it changed the way i i think it was the first time i understood fully what it means to be a professional athlete in terms of your lifestyle outside of the basketball court which means well you sign a contract where you think it's best for your career which might be every year somewhere else it might be in a city that you don't particularly like um, you spend time with people that you aren't necessarily friends or want to constantly spend time with it's just, you know, part of your job. And, and the lifestyle is a bit different. You don't really have that much time for socializing. You don't really have that much time to create your own world outside of it. So it's, um, it's a bit coming from a lifestyle perspective, uh, which I guess I was sort of fine with. But then I started having doubts about whether that's the lifestyle I want. Um, and it didn't have any, I didn't have any issues with working hard, practicing twice, three times a day. But it was more like I felt like I needed something more. There's the other parts of my life that really needed stimulation. And that lifestyle didn't quite provide that. But I still like I still decided to go for the next year, sign a contract with another team, pro, um, a pro division as well. Uh, I mean top division as well. And then whilst preparing for the season, I had a couple of injuries, which I guess gave me space to really think. Because I constantly had that cloud, you know, there in my head being like, this, is this really what I want to do? I was around like 18, 19 at that point. And I was a bit scared, I guess, originally to make that decision to maybe change something. Because again, we go back to the same story. Everyone was like, you worked so hard. You, you, you made it to, to the sort of top division. I mean, you just signed another contract. Why would you stop this? There's so many people who would die to be in your position. Same when I got into that school. And, and I had the same sort of thinking. And once I had this next injury during the preseason, I really sat down and thought, okay, if I forget about everything around, all that noise, whatever people will think, whatever I might think sort of, you know, the first moment I do it, but let's just think, what do I feel? Like, realistically, what do I want to do in life? Is this what I want to do in life? And I realized it's not. It was a very honest conversation with myself, which was extremely tough. And then, yeah, I decided to just drop the contract. I didn't even start the second season. And I had no idea what I'm going to do. Um, I just, you know, moved back to my hometown, started uni. Um, but I also knew I wouldn't stay there. I had to change something. I had to go with something else. But it was, it was the second time in my life, or probably third, where it was that honest conversation and those clouds that really forced me to say, you know, I don't care about what, what everyone is saying. What is that I really want? What is that I'm passionate about? What is it that really drives me in the morning? And it just wasn't that lifestyle anymore. Mm. It just wasn't so, yeah. The irony being that now you're a founder, it's basically the same because, <clears throat> I mean, there's two things I want to drill into there. So I think you, you say, you talk about that lifestyle of being um, a pro athlete where, you know, you're training two or three times a day. You have to be obsessed with it. Like you're everything. The, the truth is that when you become a founder, 
there is this 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 poster life where they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's really hard grind, but like, you know, I've got time freedom, I've got to, I've got the ability to do what I want, work when I want, hire who I want, pursue the dreams that I want. But that means you have to work fucking hard all the time, yeah. basically. And people say like they don't like hustle culture. Yeah, I don't want to encourage hustle culture, but the reality of it is, if you want to be successful in a sport, you have to hustle. You have to train when you're in the when you're in the gym, you've got to put in more than anyone else. You've got to put in more time. Absolutely. You've got to put in more effort. Otherwise, you're not going to be the successor. It's that. And same again with, with business. It's exactly the same. Kobe Bryant's a, a great example. He would just be like, look, if I get up and it's just, there's an amazing quote from him and we'll post it. He talks about how if you, if you train every day as a pro athlete, you, yeah, you go and you do your, your court session in the morning and then you do in the gym in the afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. maybe two sessions a day. Okay. But if I get up three hours early than everyone else and I get down to the court and I start taking free throws or three pointers or whatever, and I practice for an hour. Okay. All right. I put that in. If I start that now and I do that, I take, you know, I take a couple of days off a week. So I do it 250 times a year. That's 250 hours mm -hmm. that no one else is doing yeah. that year. And then it compounds and you're getting better and better. And so by the time people start realizing you're putting that time in, they can't keep up with you. Yeah. They, they can't catch up with you. And it's the same for being the founder. I can see your mindset that you talk about. Like, if you want to be a great founder, you have to have that same mindset. You've got to put that time in. And then the second thing you say, which I wanted to talk about more, which I think is such a beautiful phrase, your idols became your rivals. Because there's this moment, and I'm sure you've been through it as a founder, and we'll come to that in a second, where when you set out on your founder journey, there are people who you absolutely aspire to be like. Of course, you've got your, your jobs, your gates. You, yeah. you know, you've got those people out there and your musks. And you're like, yeah, yeah, they're the absolute pinnacle. They're the idols. But there are people who you idolize who are the next couple of layers down. There's the, the, you know, the, 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 there's the girl that runs the, the accelerator. And you're like, wow, she's nailed it. She's had an yeah. She's got this business. She's got like 20 people working for her. Mm -hmm. You see your competitors. Yeah, we've recently had it where one of our competitors who were the first, they were the gold standard. They were the ones we went after. We're twice as big as them now. Yeah. You know, we're their rivals now. You mm -hmm. know, like you go through that journey, you realize that you have the capability to do it if you put the time in. And so look, I really, I really glad that you came on and spoke about it because it's a really important thing that people just need to remember. Like, yeah, just because someone is doing it doesn't mean you can't do it and you can exactly. be Yeah, fuck them. And if someone says you're too short, fuck you. Yeah, someone says, well, yeah. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, first going, going back to, 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 to what you, you know, said about hustling and sort of working hard. I think at the end of the day, you know, the most important thing is just not try to always do what others do. And yeah, as you said, if I'm going to put a bit more time into it, I can, I can simply get more results because there's more, you know, input, there'll be more output than others. But at the same time, we need to understand as well, what is it that gives us the best results, right? And, and I think, you know, for Kobe Bryant, he had this sort of physique and body that he just needed to work hard to constantly stay on top of his game. Another player might be, you know, I have to do five sessions of, of running every day to, to always stay lean. Like, we also need to remember that for every athlete, that extra investment outside of the sort of, you know, hours of practice has to be really carefully thought through because there are also people who burn themselves out because they try to do something that works for others and it doesn't work for them. I had the same case with a lot of coaches trying to impose on me that I should do more gym and weightlifting, whereas I always felt that I don't need 
as much weightlifting as others and I would still stay in shape, but I would much rather spend this time on other type of training. And I think it's the same with founders where we sometimes, you know, and that's something I absolutely hate and try to cure that ecosystem, well, at least in my own surrounding uh, from, is the people always think, oh, you set up a startup, you saw a few posts on LinkedIn where a VC says, oh, the perfect time to go from one to one million ARR is nine months. Um, and that's the only way basically to to to, to grow. I, I saw a post like this last week and I just could not believe. And and then by the way, also if you don't raise your seed round on a you know gazillion millions valuations, then pretty much there's no point of even starting. Because that's a bit of the sort of message that that the whole sort of VC world startup world tries to convey. Whereas well, that's not exactly what you need to do. Maybe your startup need to take a different route, right? And and there have been so many cases where people took a completely different route. And I mean, UiPath, right? It took them like, what, 10, 12 years to get to, I think, one or 10 million ARR and then one and a half months to, 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 to get it 10 times bigger. And then they IPO'd for 36 billion after 16 years. The, the early stage VCs, I think, had a had a return of nearly 2,000x. I read about this a couple of months ago. And this was a startup that some people could have just given up on because they never had that hyper growth. Yeah. So I think it's also always remembering that you can work hard, do more, but think what is what more becomes your most efficient and successful, right? Just just working 20 hours a day doing things that don't really move the needle is also not very smart, right? But doing 15 hours a day for two months because you need to get the team right, you need to get the basics right, and then figuring out how this is scalable and then spend maybe instead of, you know, 10 hours selling to people as a founder, then spending five hours selling and five hours on actually trying to build a team and trying to build processes so it's scalable, it's probably smarter, right? So I yeah. think it's all, always that just hard work isn't enough. You need to mix this with just being very agile on where you invest that extra time, basically. I love that. I think, and also like, you as the founder, you are the one who dictates what is the measure of success in your business. Okay, so you'll find that if you raise money that you will instantly get start getting pressure from your VCs to say, right, when are you doing the next round? When are you doing the next round? I get all the fucking time. Yeah. And my investors are amazing, but a lot of time I'm like, dude, that's your problem, your motivation, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, I care about making a sustainable business where my employees, apart from the producers, are happy. <laughs> yeah, okay? And that's what I want. And I think it's really important that people realize that that's, that's what matters, mm -hmm. is you know, what, what works for your business. I love that. And I want to drill into that a bit about when people think about what is the, where should you be spending your time? Like the, I have no technical knowledge whatsoever. I've got no technical knowledge. Okay. And people are always like, yeah, maybe you should learn a bit more about coding. There's no point. There's no point in me learning about coding because I'm never going to be at a standard, which is of any value. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably not the player who is being told to start dunking all the time. No. Okay, that's not what you're there for. Okay, <laughs> exactly. right. There are people who have a genetic advantage. So you're not being told to work on your, your dunks and so forth. You're yeah. not being told to work on that because that is not something that's going to benefit you. But you are probably being told, get faster, run yeah. faster, move around the court quicker. Get, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing that matters for you. And it's the same thing in startups. It's like people figure out where you can add value. Where is there a point in you spending your time and improving? It might be, be the best in the world of creating content yeah. around a particular subject. Maybe it's starting a podcast. Maybe it's become the best coach. Maybe it's become the best recruiter. Maybe it's wh whatever it is, figure out what that is and figure out where you're going to spend your time and how you're going to hone that skill. And whatever yeah. you do, as you said there, 
don't just be the person that goes through the flow. If you're yeah. the guy that just turns up the training and does what the coach tells you, good luck being dropped from the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think I think we really need to understand. Um, you know, when you're at the lead, what is your body telling you as well, and what works best for you and 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 for your for your well being. But the same thing as a founder, you need to understand what is most important for your business and also be ready to change this drastically over time because something that was key for you to do and I don't know, your company was four people, including two founders, you know, will drastically change maybe one, two years later when suddenly there's 20, 30 people and you're looking to scale. So I think it's just being really prepared to make these very tough decisions of saying, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. And I'm really sorry, I'm not going to focus on that because I don't think this is going to work. And then be able to change this two years later because, well, that's how you evolve or the business evolves. And I think, you know, it, again, it, it's the same going back to my sort of teenage years where, you know, I, I worked hard in, in, in school to, 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 to get to a certain level. But then I realized, well, but I actually want to focus on being an athlete, which was the best journey and taught me more than anything else in my life. And I'm so happy I did that. But then there was a moment in my time where I realized, well, OK, I'm now 19. I've tried this, I've tried that. I think now for me, the best decision will be not to continue this. You need to be able to do that and you you can't expect anyone to understand this. Obviously in a startup world, we have to have in certain business models, find some understanding from investors and VC because that's that's how the game is played. You do need to raise money sometimes to grow, especially if you want to grow a bit faster. Um, So yeah, you still need to work together and find a balance, but also don't get trapped in in a situation that you should grow and do exactly the same that a few startups that made the headlines of TechCrunch, you know, do it because that will just run you into trouble. Um, because yeah, that's like suddenly telling me that I should be dunking because Michael Jordan was dunking, you know, okay, he is a role model, but it doesn't mean that I have to do everything the same he was doing, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. In the current climate, marketing is hard, but do you know what isn't hard? making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. And so look, you, your business, so you, it's quite interesting because you have had to survive through major economic turmoil. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as this is being recorded, like we are in a downturn and there's a lot of founders who are like, fuck, I don't have access to capital. Maybe there's a risk that the property market is going to crash again. It's, it's one of those things. Yeah. Okay. And, and like it, it might happen. It might not happen. We'll see what happens. But the fact is, but you've survived through two major economic downsides, you know, through Brexit and, and um, also through, um, which, uh, through COVID. And for someone who needs coffee shops to be open and things working out, well, that's a bit of a fucker. But tell me, what were the like the headline lessons that you learnt that you would want other founders to know to survive through those periods of pain? I think there were a few. First of all, um, you know, it's I mean, it's nothing new, but you just have to keep on going, like in a way that um, you need to. I guess, start treating those huge setups, which you can't control as something that is just a given, like, yeah, you can't control them. So you should focus your energy everywhere else where you can. And also remember that even small wins during those times can turn up and turn out to be huge in a way that, for example, when, when, um, Brexit happened and we lost, um, you know, what it seemed a pretty much close round from some great investors, 
and uh well the lead was was not not from the UK so uh they they pulled out last minute and then a few others a few others were also uh, and then a lot of angel investors were people from the financial world which also got a bit scared because they were like oh what if i have to move my entire family to frankfurt paris or whatever because they're going to close down my office here in london so there's a lot of uncertainty but i think what i then just focused okay you know what i might not be able overnight over a week and we literally had maybe i mean weeks away to really get this done because it was already dragging on and dragging on and then when it was about to happen you know <laughs> uh, uh you know brexit happened i said i'm not going to i'm i'm not going to able to just fill the round within a week or two but the best i can do is well start to get any money in right and i started looking for any investors i said even if i get the next 25k ticket 15k ticket at that point which maybe that one ticket wouldn't really move the needle but let's start there let's start somewhere just keep on going and don't think about the big picture at that point just think about what is the one thing you can do right now well just start getting any money in and 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 we started focusing on that that bought us uh, we got actually a couple of tickets over christmas beginning of new year which was amazing actually from investors who then played a huge role going forward um in terms of also their, their advice the intros and yeah they they have been the best thing that happened to us uh, especially some of them and you know, that gave us a bit of extra round. It wasn't a full round, but just a tiny bit. That allowed us to extend the round by a few months. Um, then actually, funnily enough, we managed to get some of the key tickets back that pulled out because the lead investor pulled out because they saw, well, the guy still managed to raise money and fill some of it. So they really believed in our resilience. We got them to commit again. Some actually increased the tickets to sort of cover the rest. Everything seemed to be sorted. Everything agreed. Um, I think the round was like closing just end of February, beginning of March. And then obviously all the markets crashed because of COVID. It was the biggest market crash in 2008. So it was literally like two months later, we lost the round again after literally like, I mean, I can't tell you, it was the most stressful two, three months in my life. And then you lose it again overnight. So you go to a point where, well, you either jump off the bridge or you just keep on going, right? Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I mean, I was super stressed, annoyed, frustrated, and it was probably for the first 48 hours, I wasn't the best person to be around. But but at some point I thought, okay, what worked last time? Well, let's just go step by step. Let's just keep on going, get a few small wins and and get the momentum back. So so we did that. Um, you know, I went went back to some of our existing investors and said, look, that's the situation. The market's the market, the market's crashing. We 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 lost that round. Um it's likely that we're gonna have a lockdown. We don't know how long it's gonna take, but to be honest, I mean, our product is still the great product we had. If if the market's going to close, we're going to have only more time to perfect it because we might not be that busy with everything else. And in all honesty, if anything changes, is how important digital solutions will be for an industry, which is hospitality, that has historically been quite averse to technology, very slow in adapting it. So... I just laid out a plan, how are we going to cut the cost, what are we going to do afterwards, why I think in the long term we can win out of it, but this is what I need from you. And I said, look, we have X amount of investors, every, every one of you puts at least Y. Collectively, this will be more than enough to get us past, you know, even if it takes a year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, then everyone thought it was going to take a few, it's going to, it will take a few months, but, and, and, and that sort of started momentum where a few investors said, you know what, you're right, like, I want to back this. But I don't want, first of all, I don't want to lose all my money. Second of all, I still believe in the product. I still believe in the team. And that's what's key at this stage of investment. And we started getting those, 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 those small tickets in. A few other investors from the existing said, actually, I might have a friend who, who might want to get in as well, right? Um, because, you know, they, they, they really were impressed with the resilience and all that. 
and suddenly we got enough uh, and, and enough money to just you know really sort of get through that period focus on on what can we do now and again it was just i think you know to sum up no matter how bad it gets you have either choice just to give up and stop it or at least try small try get any wins and get the momentum you know going again and it was the same throughout the entire pandemic post-pandemic, you know, war in Ukraine also impacted hospitality massively because of supply chain. So I think for, you know, a few weeks, it was so hard to talk to clients. It was so hard to convince them to even have a conversation about a loyalty solution because they were like, well, I can't even get any of my products in, right? Uh, uh, and then again, you, you lose that momentum with your growth and, and, and you get, oh, again, something, right? But then what we did is like, that's fine. Well, let's hustle through those type of things that we think that won't uh, you know, be affected as much. Let's try to get even a few venues this week, a few venues this month on board, and let's get the momentum back, right? Let's, let, let's reframe any rejection and, and just, just start small. And again, we got back and, and we had another amazing month last month, which was a huge bounce back from the beginning of the year, which was still a bit, uh, well, difficult because of a lot of you know, uh, uh, external factors. And I don't know, at this point, it just feels like it's just like rain or sun. You know, if, if it's raining, well, you just have to deal with it, but it's stressful. It's sometimes annoying, but I think, yeah, just don't get consumed to it and just keep on going. Like you're not going to like say, I'm not going to go to work because it's raining. Well, at this point, you're just going to go. Well, just get a bit wet, but that's it. Right. So I think, yeah, it, it, it was extremely stressful and difficult, especially last few years. But I also think it's been one of the best things that happened to us as a, as a team, as a, as a company, just as founders, I mean, I've never learned, I, I've never, ever learned so much in such a, such a short time. I love that. I love that story, man. And I think, you know, hats off to you, you know, to have the courage and the resilience to carry on. Again, I think it goes back into that athlete mindset. Like if you're losing a game, you don't give up, you just keep playing. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think um, also people forget that you, as a founder, you always think it's all on me. It's me that's got to deal with this. And it's true. You do have to be the one at the front who is taking the hits. And you, the ultimate, like the, the old adage, like, you know, if you keep walking, you will finish the race. Yeah. yeah. If you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you will finish it. It will happen. Yeah. And, but there's something about that when you go through those hard times and you forget that the team around you provided your transparent and you're honest with them about what's going on and it's rough 100%. they'll stick by you most of the time yeah most you're yeah, like you it's it, i always find it super humbling and amazing when you you know, when it's, you, you have a hard time as a business and occasionally someone will come to you and your team and they might be the most junior person in that business we had it recently they just drop you a note and they're like thanks for sticking out for yeah. us thanks for looking after us through this yeah. time because the fact is like yeah if you're building something amazing and if you are trying to build something that other people aren't building, if you're putting yourself out there and you're trying to go beyond what everyone else has achieved before you, all of those people who've tried to do what you've done and they have failed and they've mm -hmm. given up and they've stopped, yeah. it's going to be fucking hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get blood. You're going to get bruised. It's not easy. Of course. And you just got to accept that. Yeah. And I, think, and I think at the end of the day, yeah, just always be as transparent as you can with, with your team because they're part of that journey. As you said, we sometimes forget as founders, like, okay, it's not just us going through it. We might be going for a bit more. We might see a bit more than anyone on the team because of the nature of the business, but the whole team goes through it as well. And I think what was super important when um, COVID hit and it was obvious that well, it would be a quite difficult few months ahead, 
we just got the team together and we said, look, um, there's a few people on our team who we knew that had been constantly sort of, you know, uh, um, approached by different recruiters, huge companies to, you know, leave for huge salaries and all that. And first of all, I said, Trevor, look, just so you know, in the foreseeable future, I won't be able to match that. I won't be able to give you a raise. I, we won't be able to maybe accommodate some needs you are hoping for because that's just a reality. But I want you to know. So, well, if you have those offers, if you have different opportunities and you really feel that's important for you right now, well, feel free to take it, right? But everyone else, whoever is staying, we're going to keep on going. This is what we're going to do. We might not sign up hundreds of venues. We might not get any revenue in for a few months, but we're going to do, and, and I'm going to start with this. I'm going to start going out and visiting to those single venues in the area who, which are still open for takeaway and talk to them about supporting them. Give them even a few months for free or give them until, you know, they can finally reopen. But let's go out there. Let's create momentum. Let's win a few small coffee shops in every area. And we're at least going to be get further than we were before. And as you said about Kobe Bryant putting in those extra hours, uh, we saw a lot of our competitors pretty much stopped for the first few months. Uh, a lot of companies that were in delivery companies in our space pretty much stopped. A few died. But we just thought, well, I mean, at least if, if whatever, if, if something happened and we would have died, at least I'd rather die whilst trying to sign up another coffee shop than just sitting at home and pretty much, you know, giving up. So, yeah, I think the whole team really, well, I, I, I think really believed in that and then followed. And, yeah, whoever was there just went out and the tech team started working on a new version of the of the product, just really tried to tidy up everything that we couldn't tidy up because it was just too busy, you know, one of our semi-sales, semi-account manager at that point, because he had to do everything pretty much. And myself, we just went out and tried to sign up venues. And like literally in like April, May, where everything was shut, because we're like, well, that's the best thing we can do right now. And and that's all what we thought. We're very pragmatic actually about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I love that. I absolutely love that story. I think, yeah, hats off to you. You deserve all the success that you have. Question I ask every guest, two questions. Number one, every founder has a hack. They have a startup hack which helps them grow faster than everyone else. Um, what is your startup hack? I think something that I realized recently is that my job as a founder is ultimately uh, build the best teams and do everything I can so that the team uh, um, performs. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're at a stage where just me delivering some sales and whatever new clients and some PR bits here and there, that really doesn't move the needle it helps the support but at that stage we need x amount of people delivering that so um i realized that you know my day has has to change slightly i can't put in my calendar anymore you know sales sales, sales meetings 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 with clients i need to put much more time into supporting the existing team coaching them giving them the right access to tools seeing how i can improve the tools their content will be available for them etc cetera, etc cetera. So I think that that's one bit. It's just realizing as a founder, your job is to make sure that your team are just killing it. And if they don't, they know they can call you, message you. It literally, you need to be the closest person in terms of, you know, on a work relationship to them. So they know, you, you know, they feel supported. And I think, yeah, uh, that's what I've been trying to do as much as I can. Maybe, you know, sometimes I could have done it better, but I'm learning. But that's one hack. I think the second hack, which is very... I would say um, a general and something that I try to force everyone in our team or at least inspire them to do that is that I live off my calendar. I stopped doing to-do lists ages ago because at the end of the day, a to-do list is never actually 
put into a particular day and particular time. It's just a list that never stops really and becomes a mess. If you have a task to do, if you have a meeting to do, if you have anything you'd like to focus on, unless you move it from your head into a particular time of day, it's worthless. And also, you have actually no idea at the end of the month what was your 20% that you delivered your 80%. You have no idea how to improve because how do you want to improve something that you can't even measure? Whereas at some point I was almost forced because my to-do list was just never ending and I didn't even realize which one, which part of it has already been done, which hasn't been fully done. I started putting every little task on my calendar so that when I start my day, I know exactly what I'm looking at. And also if I realize that one meeting on one task doesn't make sense to do today because perhaps I have a meeting in Holborn and I was also meant to have a meeting with someone on Thursday in Holborn. Why don't I combine it so that I free up some time on Thursday? I've never been more efficient with my time. I've never feel more organized. And I know that it's very hard for me to, to basically miss something. Same if I'm on a tube and I suddenly get some messages, emails from some important clients um, or all team and I can't do it right now. What I do, I quickly write them down if I don't have access to my calendar or it's a bit hard to do it. And then the moment I get a few minutes, I put those little tasks and things into my calendar. So I know I'm going to definitely make them happen. If I have to move them, it's a block that's moving. It's a, it's a quite exciting actually thing to do because you feel so much in control and less stressed about this. So that's been my biggest hack because I managed to do probably three, four times as much in my day that I compared to when I used to. And I think our team members, when they join us and they had never worked like this, when we do a bit of a review after three months, six months, whatever, and, and we ask, okay, what do you, where do you feel you've improved the most? Like, what, what are you the most proud of yourself about? It's actually that, how, that they started to use that method and how organized they are, how much planning they can do, and also how they realize that certain things are just not worth the time. I started realizing that, you know, I look back in my week and month and, and I feel like, oh my God, I worked so hard, done so much, but... I just didn't feel like we've really delivered what we wanted. I can go back and see, okay, where have I wasted my time? What could have been moved, delegated, skipped? You know, what meeting could have been just a call or, or literally just an email? I think it's much easier to do that. So that's the biggest hack for whatever you do, I think. I like that a lot. All right. Uh, and last one, um, we call this the startup sin bin. If you could... Just like say what one thing within the startup world, just just fuck off and disappear. Like what would it be? Just follow your own journey. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Too many people telling you what to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> hey mate, look, it's been great having you on. You've been an amazing guest. I love the I think that it's very inspiring the your resilience and the way you've worked through things. I think it categorically comes from the fact that you are an athlete by nature. And um I think anyone who is trying to learn about how to deal with failure and resilience start doing a sport in your spare time yeah <laughs> absolutely start doing that all right mate really appreciate it and wish you thank the best you luck thank you so much cheers it was a pleasure